Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today is the 21st of January. I just made a trip to Agua Prieta. One of our hunters got done uh, early and actually needed to get home. So I made a drive into Agua Prieta. It was raining last night. Uh, Here with me, I've got uh, Jason Johnson hailing from the metropolis Big town, big state of Utah. Love that place. Love Utah. How you doing, Jason? I'm good, thanks. Thanks. Jason was the uh, hunt winner with Epic Outdoors, Adam Bronson and Jason Carter. And from what I understand, you have pretty good luck with the draws. You, you drew the statewide... Uh, desert sheep tag, uh, what, a couple years ago? 2015, yep. 2015 and hunted with uh, Adam Bronson. Correct, Bronson Outfitters. Bronson Outfitting, and uh, those guys do a great job. And so the way this all went down with Adam and Jason is last year I saw them at the Western Hunting Expo there in um, Salt Lake, and they said, uh, do you have any openings for your coos deer hunts uh, coming up? And I said, yes, I do. And they said, we'd like to book a spot because we're starting a new application service, Epic Outdoors Magazine, and uh, we want to offer it as a hunt giveaway. So they bought a slot, and um, here you sit. Here I am, yeah. And it's kind of funny. I, I said on the last podcast uh, – that you actually weren't the first guy drawn out of the hat, but the first guy that they drew, he decided that uh, he didn't want to come this far out to come hunt an insignificant deer. That's what I hear, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then the next guy was uh, dove hunting in Argentina. Yep, a week after, so yep. Yeah, so his schedule was all mucked up, and um, then, boom, your name was drawn, and... Here I am. Here you are. Yeah. Well, it's been great having you. Uh, we're actually kind of in a rain delay. We had, well, I've got Hunter Haynes over here cutting up back straps. Hunter, how you doing? I'm good, buddy. It uh, Last night, so the Hunters have a house here that we're in now, and it's got um, big, thick, it's like an Adobe-style house and big, thick walls. And um, last night, we had a heck of a windstorm and rainstorm blow through here. So much so that me and Dar and Haynes were in the, let's call it the the guide shack or the cowboy (laughs) quarters. And about two in the morning, did it not sound like the the, the roof blew off? Yeah, I thought we got hit with lightning or something. It it was as if the whole house was shot by a a bazooka. bazooka. As a matter of fact, it was (laughs) shot by a bazooka. Uh, It proceeded to pound on us and blow so hard. And you could hear tin and all sorts of stuff on the roof rattling around. Had to have you pour water in my eye at about 2 in the morning. Yeah, and then part of the chinking on the adobe, uh, Dar and Hunter had a face full of rocks in their face. And to make a long story short, woke up this morning, took the other Hunter, took Cameron uh, to to Awa Prieta, and I come back, and the ranch owner is coming in with all sorts of supplies. And sure enough, the roof blew off. And literally, you guys are here to attest to it. It blew at least 200 yards from the original house out into the desert. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, me and Dars, I mean, it flew literally over two trucks. Well, and mine and was parked some. right there, too. It yeah. must have just poof. Three trucks. And <laughs> went sailing over this house. <laughs> and so we had wet drywall. Needless to say, we, uh, we made it fine. We were, we were okay. It made for a great night. Um, but here we are. We're in a rain delay. Uh, Dar's out on the back part of the ranch with uh, Craig, who uh, is the only hunter left to fill. And it's raining. It's raining sideways and blowing sideways out there. So we ducked back in the house. Hunter's cutting up some back straps. We had great uh, back straps last night. We soaked it in Italian dressing and Hunter's whipping up his magic again, and, and uh, we're going to eat that tonight with some meatballs uh, or chicken, whichever we decide. But 
Uh, glad to have you here, Jason. I want to um, first tell me where you're from. I already said Utah. but Farmington, where? Utah, just north of Salt Lake there. Okay, north of Salt Lake. And um, born and raised? Uh, born in Utah, but raised in Idaho. A little town called Emmett, Idaho. Emmett, Idaho. And so when did you then move back to Utah? Um, 2002. 2002. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so growing up there in Idaho, did you get quite a bit of hunting in? We did. We had uh, dogs. We hunted a lot of uh, bear and lion and, of course, deer and elk and antelope, whatever we could. Okay, so I haven't hunted in Idaho, but um, you can attest, and that's the sound of Haynes putting beautiful little medallion back straps <laughs> in a little plastic bag and fixing a marinade. Um before the wolves moved in, and I don't know if it's in your area of Idaho, but uh, did you see a significant decrease in the amount of uh, deer and elk and moose in your area, um, or were the wolves already there uh, when you were prowling around? No, the wolves were there, but of course they they populated pretty good, and I think they did it put took put a dent in the herd. But you was always able to find deer and elk, but it sure wasn't like it used to be. And and growing up, you guys chased uh, mainly lion and bear? Correct, yeah. So what are the season structures like in Idaho as far as, is it, a, is it a pretty liberal season as far as a long period of time? And is there quotas? And what's the quotas filled? Or how does it work? Well, it's just over-the-counter tags, majority. But there's a couple of draw units that but we always try to get a tag in. If are, not, are we talking deer or are you talking? Bear. Oh, bear, yep, okay. Yep, okay. there's a 22 and a 32A. 32 tag, which was a coveted tag for bear, okay. where you guy could go out and catch, I'm not kidding, maybe 10 bear a day with your dogs. You would tree 10 bear a day? Yeah. No problem. No kidding. Uh-huh. And and trophy quality bear? Not or trophy quality. Just they're, they're, lots of them. Yeah, just uh, you know, anywhere from cubs to a good size boar. But there, there's, there's trophies in there. We were able to get two or three a year. So over-the-counter tags, and then after so many bears are shot, do they shut the unit down, or how? Does I don't it work? think in Idaho they do. I think it's just whatever Whacking tags they sell. Yep. There's some areas up north that you can actually get two bear. Gotcha. And and what what time of year were you normally running bear? Uh, spring and fall. Spring. There's a spring season and a fall season. Okay. But well, the fall season would you know you'd have to wait till the rifle hunters for deer and elk would be out or there. Okay. So it's only that short window before. Gotcha, and and I have never been uh, bear hunting with dogs. I know Haynes, you've been bear hunting with dogs a little bit. Uh, yeah. W- what are those bears like uh, compared to say a lion, or when you cut a track? I mean, is it usually a pretty quick process where the dogs can can get after them and get them treed, or do they run for a long ways? Bears usually run a long ways. Okay. Yep. So they don't tree up quick. No, especially a big boar, he'll fight. He'll walk all day. You just have to get in. Take a look at him. Sit on the ground and fight you once yeah. you do catch him. Now, will the bears fight the dogs bad? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they'll fight them. What kind of dogs were you running mainly? We had a mixed bag. You know, we had walkers, mostly uh, English red red tick dogs, blue ticks. So would you have certain areas that you just knew held bear and you would just go and hit those areas? Or would you just randomly go places, just trying new areas and, and freelancing around? You just... Usually you knew where some bears would hang out, so you stick the dogs on the rig and you just drive the canyons until they struck, and then you turn loose and see what was at the end of it. So you're not actually looking for track; the dogs will actually strike as you're driving. Correct. Really? Yeah. They'll, so, I mean, do you have a lead dog like out on the front, or are they in the dog box? No, we got them up on top of the box, a strike rack. Okay. They call it. Yep. So most of the dogs are in the rack, in, inside the boxes, but then you have a couple of your your strikers that are correct. Yep. Okay. And how fast can you be going and they'll still strike? Um, you know, it's those mountain roads. You usually don't go pretty. You don't go. So you're just putting along. Yeah, just putting along. And they'll immediately if they sm- they can smell it from way up. You yeah, know, they up get on. those thermals and stuff coming down and or up, and they just they know where it's coming from. And you got a dog, you turn loose and. Lines it out, then you dump the box. How often do the dogs go the wrong way? Uh, it, it, it happens, but the majority of the time they go the right way. Okay. So as you move to Utah, um, do you chase, do you run the dogs near as much? or 
I have a cousin that ha- still has dogs out in Vernal that we're, I go out with when I can. Vernal, Utah? Correct, yep. Vernal, Utah is kind of dear to my heart. Uh, that's I go right through Vernal, Utah when I go to the Green River up there at Flaming Gorge um, mm-hmm. to go float the A, B, and C section uh, there. And Vernal's a neat spot because it's kind of like down kind of in the desert. And then, but it's got access to, uh, you know, some pretty neat mountains right there. You do, yeah. So is, what, what kind of season does Utah have as far as um, being able to go and run, run the bears? Uh, they, <clears throat> they got a training season, but, but usually if you don't draw a tag, you're not hunting. But you can go out and train your dogs. If, you can do a pursuit tag or a pursuit season if you draw one of those. Okay, so getting a tag in Utah is hard, but you can actually go run the dogs and then just pull them off once they tree something? Correct, yep. And do you actually have to have a training tag, or can you just go run them and pull the dogs and never have a gun or anything like there that? There are certain times that you have to have a training tag, but there's there's times that you just can go out and train your dogs without a gun or stuff. Gotcha. And do you still pursue lion as well with dogs or mainly just bear? Uh, my cousin, when I go out with him, he does both. What's his name? Brad Evans. Brad Evans. Cornerstone Outfitters. Okay, so he, he outfits for He it. does. Okay. Mm-hmm. Haynes, you've had some um, success. You love bears, by the way. You're, love you bears. like to spot and stalk yeah. bears, but you'll hunt a bear any way you can. Oh, yeah. What is it about those bears? I'll ask both of you, but Haynes, you first. Um by the way, ladies, he is still single. Even after the last podcast, we had tons of inquiries. Keep them coming uh, on Instagram, hunt underscore Haynes. That's H-A. It's hunt Haynes, H-A-Y-N-E-S. Okay. Every um, time, Jason. Am I going to get a commission if, if one of these uh, ladies, <laughs> if it comes through and she becomes the one? We'll work something out. Get a finder's fee? Finder's fee for sure. <laughs> okay, back service. to the bears. <laughs> What is it about bears, Haynes, that um, that you like so much? I just love watching them. Such a neat animal, you know. Sit and watch them, you know, climb oak trees and shake them and climb down, and you know they'll sit on their butt and scoop them into a pile. And just neat animals to watch. Period. Um, just got a passion for hunting them and just even watching them. What's um, been your experience, Haynes, um, using dogs uh, and bears? running them around or they just run like run like crazy oh yeah yeah we live in some country obviously you know the mogion rim and running bears in that country can be brutal you've seen it um they'll go up and down and up and down and you know a lot of times you don't catch them or you do catch them or like we were talking you'll get a big boar and they won't tree sometimes and you'll just you know you'll get them in a rock pile or and they'll swat just, the dog yep um but yeah just an awesome creature probably one of my favorite animals to hunt um Different terrains too. I like hunting them, you know, further south and different different stuff. And then oaks, um, pears. Obviously, the pears are fun to find them in. What time um, of year in Arizona um, are the pears? Like, is pear hunting the best? Where you can glass them in the pears? Like, what, what season is time of year? Uh, kind of, you know, like going into fall. You know, in between fall, um, starting to cool down. Um, I don't spend a whole lot of time hunting them in the pears because, you know, that and um, even hunting them in August, I don't. They're they're ratty looking. I spend all my time in October. The weather's nice. Their they're fur's full. They're not ratty. Um, yeah, I'm mainly an October guy, but October. Yeah, I'll go whenever. As soon as elk season's over, yeah. I'm usually ready to get back to town, and Hunter's just getting fired up to go bear hunting yeah. for the whole month. Love it, man. And Can't what, find a whole lot of people that really want to, you know, hunt them, but there's those few you find that. That love bears too, but for sure I know you do well every year. Um, Jason, what is it for you about bears and and running bears that you just love? I don't know. I just like to, <clears throat> to watch the dogs work, um, just how they can smell a bear up a canyon and know which way to start it and run it, and and just to see what's on the other end of the line. I guess you mm-hmm. could say mm-hmm. there's always something different colors, phases. Um, it's just it's just a neat time. Spring, fall, it's just a neat time of year to be out in the mountains. How often those bears get up in the tree if they do tree them and the dogs? How often will they actually come back down or once they're up or do they pretty much stay up? Once they're up, they're usually up. Sometimes you have some that come down, but they'll usually, dogs will push them right back up. Gotcha. I want to ask you, um, this is your first experience seeing coos deer. 
and uh, you shot a nice buck. Um, just want to ask you just your general uh, thoughts on what you've witnessed and what you've seen about these deer, what you like, uh, you know, anything like that. Oh, man, it's amazing. Uh, I guess they call it the great ghost for a reason. Uh, you guys are have the trained eye, I'll tell you. <laughs> you guys can pick them out of some crazy country that blend in. Uh, they're a, a beautiful little, little deer. Um, nothing like I've seen before, just a beautiful, tight rack, you know, just a beautiful creature. Yeah. I think, um, you know, it's amazing when you get to see them pretty close and you can really look at the detail and the eyelashes and the, the eyes and all the, you know, the sleek features of their face. And they're just a neat animal. I mean, and not that the mule deer isn't because they, they have their own uniqueness, but definitely a little coos deer is, uh, is, is certainly an animal that after you've seen them, you kind of are are happy that you've been able to witness them oh absolutely you know it's a trip of a lifetime and a bunch of great great guys we was able to hang out with and great guides that were hospitable and friendly like with friends from the start it was it was it was a trip of a lifetime yeah that's great and uh your buck um tell me you guys were together on your buck uh tell me uh, when you first saw him, kind of how it all went down and, and um, what you were thinking about the deer and what you liked about him. Uh, Hunter, I'll tell you what, he can find these deer. So but. far, Hunter's <laughs> killed every buck. He's, we're he, four for five, and Hunter's been, he's killed all four of them. He's been part of it for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I, could, I couldn't ask, you know, for a better experience. And I just, you know, Hunter said, hey, there's a, a good buck, probably the best one we've seen yet. Yeah. And so I looked at it. I was like, let's go take a closer look, pretty much. So, And there's nothing flat around here in Sonora, Mexico, where we're out in this ranch, just straight up and down, walking on marbles. So um, he's in great shape, and I just try to keep up. And Did well. We hiked, we hiked quite a bit, so we got to the top of the, the peak there, and um, he told me to take a look at him. And I looked at him. I was like, what do you think? He's like, he's a good one, the best one we've seen yet. It's like, okay, that'll work perfect and what was it 400 yards and 400 sitting in a rock pile trying to uh shooting you know jay's gun thanks yeah. for letting me borrow your gun well yeah the so jason was the epic outdoors hunt winner but they didn't do their drawing i think till mid-december maybe even late december about and, three weeks ago um so i had already got my gun permitted uh just in case uh you know it was too late to get your gun so you were shooting my 257 weatherby Yep. And you were lined up at 400 yards, and I think the deer was bedded, right? So you had to wait for him to get no, up. No, he, he, uh, he, I couldn't, because like I said, the gray ghost yeah. in my great eyes are trying to find <laughs> it. First, he's like, there he is, and then he disappeared. And I was like, oh, great, I just blew my opportunity. But he popped right back where he was, and I was able to line it up and get it done. It And it awesome. worked out great. That's awesome. And, and Hunter, you know, that particular spot where um, – We've got kind of a little rut hole, and you found that spot, and um, we've been able to take several deer right there in that same area. Yeah. What is it about that you think that uh, is bringing those bucks in there? I don't know. I just think, you know, I think there's not only one, I think there's probably two hot does in there. Um, Cameron's buck, I mean, it was insane. The routing, um, Seth's on the radio talking me into this buck. He actually glassed the buck up early that morning. Um, so I went down, and finally the deer came on my side, and they're just running this poor doe, four bucks. Um, Seth actually got on the radio and uh, proceeded to say that they watched him push her over like a 20-foot cliff, and she laid there for two minutes in a bush, you know, with her legs up. and um, Yeah, just insane. I mean, they were running. Um, Come in, guys. Cameron even shot his and actually hit it in the leg the first shot, and those bucks were still running. I mean, he was – jumping off ledges trying to you know do everything he could to fend off them little bucks from getting his dough from him so yeah that fight that this, just that you yeah video yeah. was insane yeah just well look intense. what the cat drug in we're joined here by dark holborn whose face is red as a it's got some frost coming out of his nose frost <laughs> hey the heater's on in here we just were joined by craig and dar and Mr. Zach, who's adding some, put another log. No, he's just warming his hands over there by the oven. 
What's up, fellas? Could you see that big old storm coming right towards us? We were able to make it back just in time. Well, we've added one more to the to the pile here. We've got Zach Holt from Indiana. What town are you from? Vincennes. Vincennes. That's French, you tell me. Yep. How does that work in Indiana? What do you mean? How's How is it work? French? Is it just... So, Vincennes was um, Indiana's first state capital. Yes. <clears throat> and it was, a, it was an old uh, f- fur trading post um, in the American Revolution. And yeah. it was where uh, a lot of the buffalo actually crossed into the Kentucky Plains. It's got a whole lot of re- really cool history. That is and, cool. Um, it was settled by French, uh, you know, fur traders, and you know, is uh, we have a Revolutionary War reenactment that happens every year there, and yeah, it's really? a, kind of a cool little place. So, where is Vincennes in relation to? If you're looking at Indiana, where is it? So, Indiana kind of looks like a stocking, you know. So it'd be like down by the toes. Okay, if that makes sense. <laughs> okay. So south, southwestern Indiana. And Zach, a bio on you. You work for Hoyt Archery. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Myself? Yeah. <clears throat> a little bio. Well, um, I've worked for Hoyt for about 10 years. Um, been in the outdoor industry for a long time. Worked my way through um, Cabela's. Worked, b- bounced around to a lot of different retail stores. Opened up Cab- a lot of Cabela's stores. and um, Ended up having an opportunity to go work for Hoyt. And I've been there for 10 years. And. Uh, I've got uh, right around 80 dealers that I, I do business with in Kentucky and uh, Tennessee and Indiana. and um, Yeah, man, it's it's been fun. So you kind of work that tri-state area? Yep. And so are you technically a rep in that uh, you're a rep for Hoyt and you go and hit all the different bow shops and you kind of have accounts in those three states? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yep, I mainly work um, specifically with dealers and do – Help them with training, make sure their staff's up to date, um, introduce the new products, uh, you know, work promos for them, um, work with pro staffers, uh, take care of all national shooting events in my territory, that sort of thing. Gotcha. Well, it's been fun having you. I already <clears throat> asked Jason here uh, on his first coos deer hunt, kind of his experience, and uh, you're a coos newbie. You, you hadn't seen a coos, I don't think, until you came here. <laughs> I had to Google it. Yeah, I had to Google it. Uh, what are your impressions? You know, they're a really cool little deer. Um, I'm just, I was fa- I was fascinated with them. I found a shed. Um, we were hunting in New Mexico, me and my dad, in the, in the Gila National Forest. And I found a, a cool little, I don't know what it would have been, maybe a 35-inch shed or something like that. It was a five-point, actually. And uh, I had no idea that there were whitetails down there. And that kind of started my whole obsession with uh what is this little this little deer you know I'm, I'm a big whitetail hunter back home i hunt indiana and illinois um primarily um sometimes kentucky but um just been fascinated with them and after yesterday after seeing you know that fight that that laid out in front of us that was that was killer um these things just they go for broke they're they're, they're, they're cool fierce deer. fierce buggers aren't mm-hmm. they for sure how do you see what similarities do you see in your Midwest deer and in the East deer? Obviously, they're cousins. Yeah. Um, but what do you feel like are some some things that are very similar, or maybe some differences that you do see? We we I mean their mannerisms are definitely right on point. You know the phase of the rut. We we've been here for this is day six I believe, and we got here just before the, the kind of the peak of the rut, and so you can kind of watch that kind of ramp up, and so. You know, your two and three year olds are the ones that are first on their feet cruising, looking for does, nudging around the yearlings, you know, acting interested. That's perfectly right. You what you see it at home. You know, that last week of October, um, you always see those two, three year olds out cruising. And it's usually not until about November seventh, November fourteenth, whenever you really start seeing the big boys get on their feet. And we're starting to see a little bit of that here, you know, yeah. on this hunt. So, um, you know, it was a couple of days ago we saw i saw one it may have actually been the first day he did a full range of of mannerisms and vocalizations and you know uh 
I haven't seen one snort wheeze. You know, I don't know if that's it. yeah. We, they do it. Do they? Yeah. Um, it that's actually really rare, even at home. You know, you're hunting really tight woodlots, and and I've only heard that a handful of times. You know, but um, from lip curling, to, you know, um, you know, making scrapes, making rubs. You know, just it, they they're just a little miniature Midwest whitetail. You know, yeah, for sure. I, I think um, you know. For me, they have every bit of that wariness that your deer have and the fact that, you know, Midwest whitetail and, and basically the eastern whitetail, you know, they're they're on point and on alert at all times. And these deer, your deer, I think, are on point because there's a lot of human interference and, you know, they have to be on guard mm-hmm. or they're going to get shot at. These deer, you know, are getting chased by coyotes and bobcats and lions every twist and turn of their day. Um, but they still have that real keen alert. Did have you noticed some of that? Oh, today um, we were watching uh, a doe with twin fawns just uh, an hour ago, and about every fifteen to twenty seconds, that doe would just jerk. I mean, she would just come, you know, almost come unhinged, and then she'd settle back down for you know fifteen twenty seconds. But they're a little bit they're wound quite a bit tighter than our deer are. Um, so these deer don't even know we're really hunting them. We're, you know, as far away as we're glassing them and they're acting like our deer do two weeks in a gun season. Right. So they're wound quite a bit tighter than what I'm used to, um, with our Midwest deer. Yeah. What was your perception last night of our big windstorm that we had? Um, could you hear all the chaos, or did you sleep right through it? Oh no, no. I mean, we we, we could hear it for sure. I, I didn't expect these doors to be on the front of the house whenever I woke up this yeah. morning. I mean, they were knocking hard. I heard you guys had the wind blowing right down your chimney. The chimney, yeah. I set a conditioner in. <laughs> His bed's a little bit closer to the chimney, so I don't really, I, don't, I haven't really noticed it too much, to be honest with you. Yesterday, uh, you guys found that buck, and you and Dar were able to sneak in pretty close for our standards. What were you, a couple hundred yards? Dar said we were like 220. Yeah, uh, and then you, you waited that deer out. Um, how long did you have to wait that deer out, and um, w- you know what were you waiting for as far as did you not have a shot? Um, and then once he did stand up, how did that all go down? Yeah. So we watched, we glassed that buck up and we watched him kind of get his butt kicked by a, a big bully two point, you know, and, uh, and he kind of went over and bedded and kind of licked his wounds and, uh, he kind of had a busted ear and a gimpy leg and he went over and bedded down and, and, and in, bet- in between, uh, uh, I guess it would have been what some mesquites and what was behind him, Hunter? uh, what, two what, oak trees. Two oak trees, yep. okay, yeah. So <clears throat> he would have actually, in hindsight, he would have been in a great bow stocking position, but um, the wind was whipping through there. But but at any rate, um, we we uh, we watched him go bed down, and and how long did we? Was it about two hours? We watched him two and, plus hours. Yeah. yeah. So did he ever get get up and change position? Yeah, yeah. He got up two or three times and just kind of you know switched uh angle or you know switched in his bed you know kind of put his he was well he was his head was facing i I guess it would have been what south and he you know flipped around a couple times but he kept on flipping his ears back and forth and shaking his head i mean he wasn't feeling too hot um but we knew that it it was just a matter of time before he got up and got out of his bed and actually gave us an opening but yeah we we sat there and just waited him out and and we knew we knew we might be committed to that until dark um and at one point i asked dar like hey i mean so what's the game plan here you know and he said no we're just we're just gonna hang out here um so yeah he dar had to share me uh share his sandwich with me for lunch because i didn't pack anything or actually my no the gun was my gun was on my pack and my lunch was inside the pack and so uh but dar kept me company and kept me calm and and uh i mean i just i don't i don't kill very many animals with a rifle you know i'm from a shotgun state and i'm a bow hunter at heart so um but i hammered him i mean you did honestly dar got it all on video um through his phone scope and uh uh, it's great video that buck. I mean, you hammered him. He did the perfect jump up and kick. I mean, just like the perfect, yep. the perfect shot. Um, so that's your first coos deer. 
Glad you both are here. I'm glad you both got to experience your first coos deer hunt with us. We've had a great time with you guys. It's been a lot of fun. You know, I got a question about uh, Indiana. Um, Are a lot of places in Indiana, from what I hear, there's a lot of hunting around metropolitan areas, and there's a lot of archery-only areas, from what I understand. Mm -hmm. Um, Does does Vincennes fall into that category as far as having some of that, or is that by some of the larger towns? Because I hear there can be some really good archery hunting. Yeah, yeah, they're... um... Ohio and Indiana are kind of known for their urban deer zones and just having some bruisers in their urban deer zones. Um, Typically, the season starts a little bit earlier um, in some of those zones. But in Indiana, that that deer, a a buck killed in that zone doesn't count towards your statewide. Um, We have a statewide one buck rule that was in effect, uh, went into effect probably about seven eight years ago maybe and so those bucks don't count towards that um but yeah they can get really big vincent's is a really small town uh, i'm not sure how what our population is i'm thinking like thirteen thousand. it's pretty small so um you know we're already kind of in the country um and and uh so that's usually around like uh obviously indianapolis fort wayne stuff like that but yeah no they they pull out some monsters um in some of those urban zones we, do you go to the National Wild Turkey Federation uh, deal in Nashville? I'm going this year. I've been a couple times. I didn't make it last year, but uh, yeah, me and my father-in-law are definitely we're planning on going this year. Cool, I'll be there. Yeah, I love that show. I missed it last year because it's always the same time. Jason has the Western uh, Hunting Expo in Utah in Salt Lake City. Um, last year I went to Salt Lake City, but this year I'm going to go back to NWTF. It's just being a turkey nut. It's just such a fun show. It's awesome show, isn't it, it? It's a really awesome show, and you got what seventy thousand turkey nuts all there. And yep, get to see all the um, custom calls and the box calls and the slates and all the different manufacturers there. So it's it's a great show. Do you go as a vendor, or you just go for fun? Um, so I actually reached out to him to see if I could get a booth for Hoyt. It's it's become such a big show that I really think Hoyt, you know, as a company, we need to be there. And and I've talked to Hoyt about that. They actually have a waiting list. I mean, they they're that yeah. packed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, hopefully we can we can get a booth space um, allocated to us here in the next year or two. Um, it's definitely a show that we need to be at, but um, we've not set up there uh, up to this point. I just think you know Hoyt kind of needed me to you know to tell him, hey, we, we this is something we need to be at, and um, it's cool to be in a room with that many turkey nuts. It's mm-hmm. rare to be around. Me and you have kind of connected on yeah. that level, and it's uh it's cool to have that many of the same type of people in the same room because uh yeah i like hanging out and talking talking i do too i mean i even like going to restaurants at night there within the hotel and and uh, even lunch and you can just you know go and sit down and you know you're sitting right next and the next thing you know you're pulled up a chair and you're chatting with guys about hunting in different states Mm -hmm. and there's something about turkeys i don't know what it is but the turkey hunters it 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 for me, it seems like, you know, the big game hunting out west and some of the stuff with the mule deer and, and the elk and, you know, the sheep. It always seems like, you know, the, this guide service doesn't like this one and these guys and there's a click. And, you know, but for whatever reason, I don't know, it doesn't seem to translate into the turkeys as much. It's more of kind of a brotherhood. And I'm not putting anybody down and, uh, you know, the western U.S., but it just seems that for whatever reason, that vibe at that show is like, Everybody wants to hear each other's stories, and it's there's not like it's not like competition. It's like you know, hey, what's the birds doing in your state? You know, where do you like to hunt? You know, right? It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, those. Well, it's in Nashville, and so you're in the mid south already. And when you start talking to some of those old school Southern turkey hunters, those guys from Alabama and Tennessee, and you know, those that that's just a they're cut from a different cloth. I mean, in our neck of the woods, uh, the turkey is is a big game species. We yeah. have deer, and we have turkey, and yeah. and other than that, you're all rabbit and quail, and you know. But um, the turkey is definitely second on the list, and for a lot of us, it's it's first. Yeah. You know, as far as what we like going after. Yeah, it's awesome, Jason. You were saying in 2015, you. Uh, Obviously had to go to the Western Hunting Expo in Utah as the only way to apply for that draw. Uh, no, this is actually a sportsman's draw through Utah, just the regular turn in. 
okay. first of the year kind of thing. <clears throat> Tell me about that. So the residents <clears throat> can apply for that. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah. You, there's a sportsman application for – there's a desert, uh, rocky mountain, mountain goat, moose, deer, and elk, pr- and pronghorn. And if you draw one of those, those uh, tags, you get a hunt from September 1st to December 31st for that species in any unit in the state. Nice. And so – when were you notified that you had won the Desert Bighorn Tag in Utah in 15? I believe it was November. They sent a, 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 just an email out, and I read through it, unsuccessful, 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 and then successful. And I was in a movie with my little girl, and I left the movie. I just couldn't stay any longer. I was calling everybody I knew. So <laughs> pretty exciting, exciting time for sure. So how much time did that give you to prepare for the hunt then? Uh, quite a bit. So was that November and then you had Correct. to? November of 14. Okay. And then I had to tell September 1st of 15. Gotcha. And at, up until that point, had you really been into sheep or did Not you have all. to really immerse yourself in sheep and the videos and photos and kind of get a sense of what, you know, you were looking for? Yeah, exactly. I, I you know, of course, I'd love to always wanted to hunt sheep, but I just never really thought about it, to be honest. And now that's kind of consumes me. I turn in for every raffle, banquet, whatever, just trying to, you know, fulfill that fire, I guess. Once you see those yellow horns, I don't know what it is about them, but for me it was 09. It just cap- captivated me. Um, my friend uh, drew a tag, a real good friend of mine, Glenn Hall, drew a tag in western Arizona, and uh, neither one of us really knew anything about sheep and I mean, as soon as he drew his tag, it was, you know, I wanted to know everything I could possibly learn about it and watched every video and read everything I could find on the internet. And then, you know, with the scouting and going out and documenting rams and videoing and, you know, um, they didn't have phone scope back then, but, you know, digiscoping and even just, you know, holding little point and shoot cameras up to your spotting scope, just trying to take photos and try and get a sense at what we were looking at. Uh, for us, and I want to get your experiences, it seemed like everything was new and fresh, and it was real exciting. It was it was fun for me. Did you feel that same thing when you first started seeing rams? Um, did you go out and scout? I know you hired uh, uh, Adam Bronson. Mm-hmm. Um, did you get to see quite a bit of sheep? Or no, how? actually, the, the we didn't do really much scouting. We went down with Adam once, and it was a lot like this weather here, rainy and, and windy, so we didn't see much, and he reassured me that, you know, don't worry, you know, we know where the Rams are. We'll be okay. Yeah. And I wasn't disappointed. Yeah. It was, honestly, it was, uh, like you said, you just it just consumes you. You read every magazine, book. I started digging through old magazines, reading about them, how to score a Ram, what a big Ram looks like, yeah. you know. I was just always under the assumption that you wanted length, but, you know, Gotta that, mass, that yep. mass is where it's at, you know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's rams that you like the look of Mm -hmm. and then there's rams that you know score well but maybe you don't like the look and you got to kind of find a mix in between you want to find an old ram if you can and and then uh uh i always encourage guys to find a ram that they like the look of the most because that's you know most guys are going to shoot probably one sheep in their life um not everybody's you know fortunate to kill multiple rams and so you got to like the one you shoot and so sometimes a few inches here or there, if you don't like the look of the ram, it's important. It, you know, you got to like the look of the ram you're after. No, you're, it, you know, it was a huge learning curve. And Adam and, you know, Wayne Brown and his dad Dave and his brother Aaron were there every step of the way. You know, it's like how to age a ram, what we're looking for. You know, there's, it's a young ram. He has good potential. He's good looking, but, you know, we could do better. And we hunted, I think, a total of maybe 15, 18 days off and on down there. And we've seen numerous rams. Um, one ram that was, they were guessing over 170, which is a big ram for Utah. But unfortunately, he was on the Arizona side. And he never did come back over. But we hunted hard. And a great group of guys. And I learned a lot from him. And we became friends, just like this camp here you know it's that's what's cool about the hunting world that is true i mean you build a lot of great friends around for me for around hunting and fishing you build some of your your, your most favorite and and uh you know 
loved friends uh, around hunting and fishing. Um, that's awesome. Uh, you know, guys, we're in a, a, a weather delay, and um, today's just been off and on rain showers, you know, glassing, not glassing, putting the binos away. But tomorrow we're supposed to have a good day. Um, supposed to be cold and, and only four mile an hour wind. So we've got one buck left to kill. We've got four out of five bucks. Um, Craig's still holding out. Hopefully we can, he's got kind of the governor's tag now, cause we're all <laughs> going to spread out and try and find him a buck in the morning. What do you think the chances are Hunter? I think they're pretty good. I think they're good. We've got a lot of good eyes out there. You know, there was one buck that, um, Seth had seen that we still haven't been able to put our eyes on. I think that buck for now has given us the slip. It's frustrating when, you know, we know that there's a really nice buck around and can't seem to figure out which direction he went. And then half the time you wonder if he's right back where he was. Yeah. Um, but that's always the dilemma. Hopefully he'll show up in our little rut hole. Yeah. Do you guys have any more hunts um, coming up? You know, obviously this is the first of the year, 2017. The way we kind of look at it, um, it's kind of the end of our year, and then we go through February, March, and then turkey season for us kind of starts our year. Um, wh what do you guys have coming up uh, in Indiana and or in Utah um, after this, or are you done for a while? Well, uh, you know, you got I turn in for a lot of western states, and so that's still to be determined. And then, like, the Western Idaho, I mean, excuse me, Western Hunting Convention there in Salt Lake Expo, um, there's always a chance to win some good tags there. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong. In order to apply for those Expo tags, you have to be present, right? You, correct. You have to yeah. validate at the Expo. Right. And I think that's one of the reasons uh, that they have a really good turnout there is they, they give away a bunch of great tags, and you have to be there to – validate the tag so it, it usually creates an unbelievable turnout it does it, it it generates a lot of money for the economy for sure yeah how about you zach are you going to do any late season whitetail hunting or anything my i'm gonna officially eat my illinois uh tag you know which is pretty normal for me i'm usually hunting a, a fairly good buck there and I just hold out and either i kill him or i don't you know um so uh, that that actually um what is today that was 21st. like the 15th it went out okay. um so say I, this is kind of i'm like you guys this is capping my uh my season off and then i kind of you know restart here with turkey season yeah. so uh i've got it in my phone i don't know what what starts first but i think it's uh kentucky indiana illinois uh wisconsin missouri this year for me for turkeys. Yeah. So how many birds potentially might you kill this season? Thinking 10. 10. Yeah. How many of those with a bow? Any I'll of probably, them? Oh, yeah. I'll probably do four to five of them with a bow. Four to five with a bow. Yeah, three to four. It just depends. When do your birds typically there, depending on what state, when do they really start firing up? Hmm. Boy, it, it, weather is definitely going to be, you know, depending on how cold it is. Um, but, you know, always that April 15th to the end of April is, is always going to be going somewhere for sure. So you're hitting that many states in that short a period of time. Um, I mean, literally, do you go kill a bird and bounce that night over to another state and start hunting the next can morning? Can be. Yeah, it can be that way. Um, you know, try to try to go home for a day or two in between each state um but uh, you know there's there's so many birds i think we're in the good old days of turkey hunting right now there's just birds absolutely everywhere and if uh if you're half a turkey hunter you can usually make it pretty you know a lot of times you you almost it, you tag out too quick and you kind of wish wish it wasn't you know, over yeah you wish you wish you had more time to hunt yeah. So there's sometimes I'll drag my feet whenever the season's I've only got one state left. I'm like, man, I don't want turkey season to be over with, you know, because there's nowhere else. Or I'll try to hurry up and get another state in if I can. But if you still got tags in your pocket, you have a way to justify and be like, honey, I still got right. tags. But as soon as you don't <laughs> have right. tags, she's like, wait a minute, I thought you shot your yeah. last one. Well, 
thankfully, thankfully she likes to eat him and, and our whole family. I mean, we pretty much live on wild games. So, and there's, uh, you know, a, so a lot of people don't like, you know, wild turkey, but I, I love it. Um, we How's your favorite it. way to prepare it? We, I have, I have a recipe that, um, I cut it in strips and, uh, it's like equal parts, uh, olive oil and white wine and butter. You put a little bit of butter in there and then you sprinkle Cajun seasoning over it, and you put all that inside of a roaster bag. Um, like you would a Thanksgiving Turkey mm-hmm. and you, and, and you bake it in that and, Oh, it's killer, dude. It's so good. That or just like straight up southern fried, you know, um, in strips with, you know, some mashed potatoes and gravy. That's that's not bad either. Nice. Yeah. Nice. From what I hear, uh, Tennessee's just exploding with turkeys. Yeah, I need to. I mean, I've got dealers down there, um, and and they always say, hey, you know, come check us out. I actually had a dealer outside of Lynchburg, and he told me that um, the mash – that Jack Daniels uh, like dumps, they sell that to the area uh, cattle farmers, and I guess the turkeys love that mash. They'll just <laughs> go in there and just eat the eat, eat the tar out of it. Um, and he says it's just like you know f- shooting fish in a barrel. But um, so I need to go check that out sometime. I've never hunted uh, turkeys in Tennessee. Wow. One day. So what state do you hunt the most for turkeys? Um. Indiana for sh- well, Indiana or Illinois. How many bird state is Indiana? They're just one. One yeah. bird state. Well, you can kill more. one and one. In, it's it's actually by the county. You can kill them in the fall too. It's I, I usually are, I'm able to knock one out of a tree stand uh, every now and then. That's actually really hard to do, but um, I've been fortunate enough to get drawn. Once you get drawn on one, you're you know you're, you're good to go. But um, yeah, you can kill them in the fall. A couple of them, and you can kill them in the spring. But um, in the spring, it's usually – you just kill one in each one of those states. Um, Kentucky, I believe, is two, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Missouri, I think, is three. So, yeah. That's awesome. Haynes and I love those ghouls, don't we? It's fun. We'll be down there shortly. They get in your blood, those um, suckers. I'm going to come down and do one with you. Yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's sure. a fun hunt just because they act different than any turkey you've ever been around and the fact that they're – not call shy at all. They love to strut. They love to gobble, and they love to come beat up the decoys. I can't tell you how many hunters Haynes and I have, and we—I mean, I've got a decoy. <laughs> I, I've got enough decoys literally to fill up this room. Dave Smith decoys, and we start getting the decoys out, and they're like, "You're—you're you're, you're not going to use those, are you? You're not going to put those out?" And we're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, we, we are." Put them out. <laughs> and yeah. they're looking at us like those don't work. Oh and really? We're just like, yeah, just wait. <laughs> And they, um, you know, they, a lot of places they tell me, oh, our field turkeys, they're, they're shy of decoys and such. And, um, man, our goulds, we, we use the full strutters, the Dave yeah. Smith full strutters, and we put the real tail fan on them. Sometimes we'll even put strings on them and move them sure. around. And, um, just our, those goulds, for whatever reason, they either see a Jake decoy or a full strut and gobbler. And they just come straight to it and just start destroying it. That's neat. It. Oh, just awesome. We had some guys from Canada last year that all shot their birds with their bows. And, um, y- you know, the other thing Gould's turkey hunters don't understand when they come hunt with us is they're, you know, they've got their just souped up turkey guns shooting, you know, out to 60, 65 yards and these loads. And, I mean, most of our birds were shooting them at 20, 22, 25 yards, you know, just right there and and you get to witness the whole show um so hopefully it'll be another great season oh it will be for sure yeah. so i'll be bringing a recurve then you know um <laughs> that's what's gonna happen a couple years ago um a friend uh a client but became a friend joe bittner um he wanted to shoot one with his uh longbow and his recurve and we got to the ranch one particular ranch and Dar, uh, we had two hunters, and Dar had the other hunter. And for whatever reason, we left the ranch house from one ranch house where we left the trailers to the upper ranch house. We left a little later, and I wanted to check one spot. And Joe was still in his blue jeans and what have you. And we had decoys and our gear and stuff. And we were headed up to the upper ranch house because at this place, it's kind of this. It's a cool cabin up, up, up kind of higher on the ranch. And I said, "Oh, I just want to check this spot." So I pulled over i i shut off the ranger and called and 
birds started gobbling. I'm like, he's looking at me trying to get his bow out and get all the decoys and get the blind. And anyway, we get set up and, um, he, he shot, uh, two birds, uh, two birds on the first night before we had even, uh, gotten to the, in his blue jeans, in his blue jeans, we threw him in the blind (laughs) and, and, uh, yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. Well, guys, it's been awesome having you here on the podcast, and it's been great having you down here. Um, happy you were able to win the hunt through Epic Outdoors, and um, happy that you were able to come, Zach. Thanks look forward for to me, seeing man. you. Hopefully at NWTF, and um, we've got Craig here. We've got one last day tomorrow. Uh, supposed to be a great day. Hopefully, we can all spread out and find. Uh, Craig, a trophy buck. We've got four, four out of five uh, of you guys have filled out, and we're just going to take one more uh, look around, hopefully have a great day tomorrow of spotting deer and maybe pull a rabbit out of our hat and um, see if we can find a big deer for Craig to to kill. I appreciate you guys. It's been great. That's awesome. What do you think, Haynes? Oh, great group of guys, great hunting. Hanged you about cut your go. finger off there. I did. I was cutting some back straps up and about it's all cut my swelled up now. Cut my knuckle off. But it'll be worth it once they're on the grill, right? Hey, with as many <laughs> girls that are gonna be calling in, you gotta have your your hands need to be in good shape. Right? Right? Huh? Those there, goes like you, uh-huh. there goes your hand modeling. Those right. girls like to hold hands, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Not right now, a little bit beat up from the mesquites packing Zach's deer out. Yeah. Haynes is notorious for throwing these deer over his shoulder and packing them out. He's done it. He does about every other deer that way. And I think he just likes to show us how big and strong and tough uh, he is. Nah. Just quick and effective. <laughs> well, guys, um, let's get after him tomorrow. Thanks for um, sitting in on the podcast and uh, sharing some local knowledge with us. And uh, I think we'll go out and get uh, maybe the last hour of glassing in here. Maybe we can spot a buck here on this mountain behind the house. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks, Jake.